Let's fire it off. Commanding you to bow down. I'm on your side. By branding you as a rebel. But you're not. A traitor. This isn't freedom. This is fear. We are not the government. The government is not us. New intro, Dino Files number 31, the official number 31. I recorded a number 31 on Twitch not long ago, uh, but decided not to use it, because I'll be damned if it didn't suck. For somebody who's not really great at keeping content updated, especially on the podcast, I probably shouldn't be making decisions like that. But I chose to. So on Twitch, this is streaming as number 31.5. And this will be the one that actually goes up on, uh, on air. A-I-R-A-D dot I-O. If you like the new intro, let me know on Twitter. At Dino Files. No spaces, no dashes, no hyphens, no nothing. Just Dino Files. I like it. I, it pumps me up. That's why I chose it. It, it's not, it, it's nothing about, like, I just, I just love it. And I wanted to drop some lines in there from some stuff, so I chose to. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, a few things. I'm going to go through the, uh, the Last Refuge, um, tweet thread that happened, that, that it kind of talks about the school shooting, but that's all I'm going to be talking about as far as the school shooting is concerned. That is it. I do not want to talk about that fucking thing because I could go on all day, and if I don't go on all day, I won't have given enough information. So I'm not going to fucking talk about it outside of that thread. I'm also going to be talking about uh, the uh, New York Senate reviving, uh, according to FIRE, revives wildly unconstitutional bill barring funding of student organizations involved in hate speech and tolerance or promotion of boycotts of Israeli U.S. allies. So that's a whole fucking thing I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about, uh, oh, I did, I did lie. There's two things I'm going to say about school shootings. The first one is I'm going to go through that thread. The second thing is I'm going to let you know how likely it is to actually happen. Um, but the first thing I want to do, article on Quillet. I love Quillet articles. Uh, they're the only point of view that they all really have in common is that free expression is important. And, I agree with that. They come from all different angles to that discussion, but they all agree on that point, and that's why I love Quillet stuff. Uh, my favorite Quillet article right now is the cultural diversity case for free speech. So that one's uh, – it's not a conservative-leaning one, I'll tell you that. Um, but I really like that one quite a bit. And then the main topic for today is going to be Trump derangement syndrome. I saw, I, uh, I heard rather, an excellent example 
of Trump derangement syndrome on a podcast that I really enjoy, Politics, Politics, Politics. It's Justin Robert Young's podcast. He had a show where uh, Brian Brushwood and uh, and uh, uh, oh shit, Jeff Kanata. Jeff Kanata had a discussion, and I've talked about Jeff Kanata on the show before. I think he's a perfect example of Trump derangement syndrome. And we're going to talk about that and what it's done to the political discourse in the United States. I really want to drill into that because everyone's, everyone in the center anyway, or everyone who is outside of the political mainstream is talking about Trump derangement syndrome and making fun of people and stuff like that. But I, there are actual consequences to this that I want to talk about today. And, uh, without further ado, oh, again, uh, there's not really any legislation to talk about because the only legislation, I like to try and talk about interesting legislation, the only interesting legislation that exists right now is trying to revive net neutrality, and I have no fucking interest in opening that can of worms again. Um, I'll probably do a write-up of it on Rogue File, uh, after I do a write-up on Trump Derangement Syndrome. Net neutrality will probably be the next thing I do a write-up on. Fuck. What a mess. What a fucking mess that whole thing is. So, without further ado, let's jump right into this Last Refuge tweet thread. Now, this is uh, supposedly explaining what happened at the at the uh, with the officer that was outside of the school and why nobody really responded to that shooting. So, let's jump into it. The first tweet, and then I'm just going to roll through it. Uh, watch this video. People don't understand how Broward County school sheriff officers operate. I'll explain. I spent about 18 months in 2012 and 2013, 2014 investigating Broward and Miami-Dade school policies and how these policies transfer to law enforcement practices. My interest was in initially accidental. I discovered an untold story of massive scale and consequence as a result of an initial research into Trayvon Martin and his high school life. What I stumbled upon was a Broward County law enforcement system in a state of conflict. The Broward County School Board and the district superintendent entered into a political agreement with Broward County law enforcement officials to stop arresting students for crimes. The motive was simple. The school system administrators wanted to improve their statistics and gain state and federal grant money for improvements therein. So police officials, the very highest officials of law enforcement, sheriff and police chiefs, entered into a plan. And there are documents here that are all throughout that were released through FISA, FISA uh, warrants and other things. Um, but there are documents, verified documents all throughout. Uh, seven. As soon as Miami-Dade began to receive the benefits, political and financial, from the scheme, Broward County joined on. The approach in Broward was identical to the approach in Miami-Dade. It's important to remember this was not an arbitrary change. This was a well-planned fundamental shift in the entire dynamic of how teenagers would be treated when they engaged in criminal conduct. The primary problem was the policy conflicted with laws, and over time, the policy began to create outcomes where illegal behavior by students was essentially unchecked by law enforcement. Initially, the police ex were excusing misdemeanor behaviors. However, it didn't take long until felonies, even violent felonies like armed robberies, assaults, and worse, were being ex excused. The need to continue lowering the arrests year over year meant that increasingly more severe unlawful behavior had to be ignored. 
Over time, even the most severe of unlawful conduct was being filtered by responding police. We found out about it when six cops blew the whistle on severe criminal conduct they were being instructed to hide. The sheriff and police chiefs were telling street cops and school cops to ignore ever-worsening criminal conduct. The police were in a bind. They were encountering evidence of criminal conduct, and yet they had to hide the conduct. There were examples of burglary and robbery where the police had to hide the recovered evidence in order to let the kids get away without reports. The police would take the stolen merchandise and intentionally falsify police records to, to record stolen merchandise as if they just found it on the side of the road. They put drugs and stolen merchandise in bags and sent it to storage rooms in the police department, never assigning the recovery to criminal conduct. Stolen merchandise was just sitting in storage rooms gathering dust. They couldn't get the stuff back to the victim because that would mean the police would have to explain how they took custody of it, so they just hid it. To prove this was happening, one of the officers told me where to look and who the victim was. At first, I didn't believe them. However, after getting information from detectives, cross-referencing police reports, and looking at the found merchandise, I realized they were telling the truth. A massive internal investigation took place and the results were buried. Participating in the cover-up were people in the media who were connected to the entire political apparatus. The sheriff and police chief could always deny the violent acts, assaults, rapes, beatings, etc. were being ignored. That's why the good guys in the police department gave the evidence of the stolen merchandise. That physical evidence couldn't be ignored and prove the scheme. From 2012 through 2018, it only got worse. In Broward, Miami-Dade, it is almost impossible for a student to get arrested. The staff within the upper levels of Leo kept track of arrests, and when a certain number is reached, all else is excused. While it didn't take long for criminal gangs in Broward, Miami-Dade to realize the benefit of using students for their criminal activities. After all, the kids would be let go, so organized crime became easier to get away with if they enlisted high school kids. As criminals became more adept at the timing within the offices, uh, more adept at the timing within the offices of the officials, they timed their biggest crimes to happen after the monthly maximum arrest quota was made. The most serious of armed robberies, etc., were timed for later in the month or quarter. The really serious crimes were timed in the later phases of data collection periods. This way, the students, uh, the student criminals, were almost guaranteed to get away with it. Now you can see how the entire process gets worse over time. Present corruption, the need to hide the policy, expands in direct relationship to the corruption before it. This is where school police come into play. Understanding the risk behind the scheme, it is increasingly important to to put the best corrupt cops in the schools, best as in smartest. Those SROs, school resource officers, um, became the ones who were best at hiding the unlawful conduct. Again, over time, the most corrupt police officers within the system became the police inside the schools. These officers were not who were best skilled at identifying the political... These, the, I'm sorry. These officers were those who were best skilled at identifying the police objectives and instructions. Those school cops have also uh, also have special privileges. It's a great gig. They get free on-campus housing close to the schools they are assigned to, etc. They're crooked as hell, and the criminal kids know just how to play them. It's a game. It's also an open secret. A lot of it came out during an earlier internal affairs investigation. Unfortunately, the behavior never changed because the politics never changed, and it's still going on. For years, this has been happening and, happening and no one cared. Crimes happened, students excused, victims ignored, etc., the Broward County school and law enforcement system is designed to flow exactly this way. It's politics. Only then a Parkland only then a Parkland school shooting happened. For Broward County Sheriff Scott Israel, this had to be an oh shit moment, but not for the reasons the media initially thought. If people start digging, they'll discover the shooter was one of those previously excused students. The same sentiment applies 
for Sheriff Scott's partner, school superintendent Robert Runcie, previously from Chicago. Things are very risky if people start digging. Follow the simple timeline. 2011 to 2012, Broward County School Administration made a policy decision to block the arrest of students in order to improve their education statistics. 2013-2014, praise for the program. This, this all has links to news articles and documentation. 2017, the program continues, still chasing year-over-year -year reductions. Worse and worse crimes are excused. 2018, Parkland school shooting, 17 dead. Police cop, SRO, coward from shooter, now retiring. School board wondering what went wrong. Entirely predictable. 36, um, this is tweet number 36. I will give testimony, provide names, outline dates, and give all prior records to any lawyer for use in, the wrong, in a wrongful death lawsuit, so long as their intent would be to financially ruin the entire system and personally bankrupt the participants. Number 37, end. So, all of this, if it is true, and I have no reason to believe it is not, because again, there's documentation here. All of this explains exactly why this school shooting has felt so weird. Usually we get, you know, a long, involved kind of, uh, kind of investigation into these situations. We get a lot of, frankly, bullshit. Just, just so much people talking about what led up to it and all this other shit. No one's talking about that shit here. And this is why. Because if you dig, you're going to find this. And if you find this, everybody's fucked. Everybody who is involved is fucked. So that's the major reason this one feels so weird. I knew this one was weird for some reason. And then I heard about that thread on the No Agenda show and I was like, oh, fuck, that's it. That's it. That's got to be it. That's why this one feels so strange. Doesn't feel like Sandy Hook at all. Um, and as a final note on the school shootings uh, from uh, Cato at Liberty, the Cato blog, uh, this is how likely it is that your that your kid is going to be involved in a school shooting. Uh, from the uh, from the post, surely even one such incident is too high. But with nearly one hundred and six thousand public and private schools in the U.S., there were shootings at only point zero zero nine percent of the schools since December twenty twelve, according to National Center for Education Statistics twenty thirteen indicators of school crime and safety report. From the 1992-93 school year until the 2010-2011 school year, there were between 11 and 34 homicides of youth ages 15 to 18 at schools each year, including attacks with weapons other than firearms, with an average of about 23 homicides a year. Comparing that to NCES's enrollment statistics, about 0.000044% of public and private K-12 students were killed at school per year between 1992 and 1993 and 2010-2011. That's about 1 out of every 2,273,000 students per year. By contrast, the odds of being hit by a lightning in a given year is about 1 out of 700,000, according to National Geographic. So there you go. Your kids are fucking safe, and you better fucking tell them that, or say nothing. I don't have a problem with saying nothing, but if you are, if you are an educator, or a parent, and you are actively scaring your kid... Helping to push along the agenda of fear that we've seen time and time again. If you're party to that, you're the asshole. Tell your kids they're safe or say nothing at all. But do not lie. And that's the truth, is that they're safe. The chances of the universe making a liar out of you are infinitesimally low. 
It's not going to happen. On the uh, free expression front, this is from the fire.org, pretty good organization. New York Senate reviews, uh, revives, sorry, wildly unconstitutional bill barring funding of student organizations involved in hate speech, intolerance, or promotion of boycotts of Israel and U.S. allies. And this is from the story. I'm just going to stop whenever I feel like it. For the third year in a row, the New York State Senate will again consider a bill that would bar funding to student organizations engaging in hate speech or the promotion of boycotts of Israel or certain nations allied with the United States. The bill, which, if adopted, would be patently unconstitutional, has twice passed in the State Senate, only to die in assembly. The bill would ban public universities from funding not only student organizations that engage in boycotts themselves, expressive activity itself protected under the First Amendment, but also bar funding for any organization that so much as dares to express support for or directly or indirectly promotes, encourages, or permits boycotts of certain nations or intolerance or hate speech. The First Amendment has no exception for intolerance or hate speech, and I've talked about this before on earlier shows. There's no fucking such thing as hate speech in a legal sense. It does not exist. Stop trying to make laws based on it. There is no law. There is no there is no legal basis for hate speech in the United States. It's not real. It would take a Supreme Court action to create the legal parameters for a hate speech law, and that's not going to fucking happen, right? It's not likely to happen. Not right now, anyway. So... That's what's going on there from the fire. It's a constant battle. It's a constant battle between those who value free expression and those who want to censor others. Constant. And there's no real excuse for the people who want to censor others, even under the auspices of hate speech. This isn't fucking Canada. This isn't the UK. We do not have the same rules. Speech is protected here, as it should be. Um, I don't care what you're saying... I really don't. You have the right to say it. And if I disagree with you, or if you're threatening me, I have the right to respond. If I disagree with you, I have the right to respond with words. If you're threatening me, I have the right to respond in other ways. That's just the way it goes. I don't understand. Ah, I always just get so aggravated when I'm talking about free speech issues. Free expression is so close, because, so close to me because I know that... Myself and guys like me, myself and people who agree with my political outlook on things are likely to be next in line um, once they can start making rules about hate speech and things like that. They'll, they'll, I mean, Alien Sedition will come back. I mean, that's that's it's already happened once. You can't say it can't happen here. It already has. So, I don't know. It's fucking scary. Okay. Moving on to what I think is probably a more salient, important, and influential topic at this time. Let me go to uh, roguefile.com. That's the blog that exists in tandem with this podcast. And I wrote up a piece called uh, Rogue Review, The Politics of Black Panther. And and in this, I, I discussed the political dialogue that's happening around the movie Black Panther because I thought that was fascinating. Um, I thought the political dialogue about that movie was incredible, and I wrote up a piece about it. I love the movie, just for those of you. I mean, it's not the best Marvel movie I've ever seen, but it's a damn good one. Um, the best Marvel movie I've ever seen is probably Winter Soldier, and that's just fucking because I love that fucking movie. There's a quote from it in the intro to the show. 
So that tells if that tells you anything. All right. And I, I, I bring that up because this kind of exists in tandem with that. What I'm going to talk about is Trump derangement syndrome. And unlike a lot of people, I think Trump derangement syndrome exists in two ways. I think it exists on the never-Trump Republicans and uh, liberal side, and I think it exists on the Republican side as well in the exact reverse. Um, the effects are the same, but the opinions are, are polar opposites. So I want to go into – I was talking – I was listening to a – uh, a debate on politics, politics, pod, politics, uh, Justin Robert Young's uh, podcast, great podcast. I was listening to a debate between Brian Brushwood and uh, Jeff Kanata. Jeff Kanata, who I've mentioned on the show before as being someone who is suffering from Trump derangement syndrome. And I knew when I saw this podcast go up in my feed that I needed to listen to it immediately. And I did. And the reason I knew that is because I've seen Jeff Kanata's activity on Twitter. I've heard some of his podcasts since Trump's election. He is a he is undeniably intelligent. He's an intelligent guy. He's smart. And he's suffering from Trump derangement syndrome. So keep in mind when I'm talking about Trump derangement syndrome in the context of Jeff fucking Kanata, a smart man, think of how much worse it is for people who are idiots, right? Which is I I I think most people, right? Um, and that doesn't necessarily exclude myself. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to play the beginning of this. And what I want you to be listening for at the beginning of this is, uh, I think the first voice you're going to hear is Brian Brushwood. And then the next one's going to be Jeff Kanata. And I want you to, when you're listening to this, I want you to listen to the kind of debate you're expecting to come up from this, because this is before TDS kicks in. This is a, a, by all accounts, going to be a totally civil debate. Let's I'm listen. I'm hopeful that the, if there's one gift that the Trump presidency can give us, it's that we have a chance to take drastic action to uh, rebalance those, those uh, powers among all three branches of the government. To, to your credit, you made that point in our original debate. And you said, you know, here we are. It's obvious Hillary's going to win. But... Even in the worst case scenario, if Trump wins, then maybe it will motivate people to realize that, the, you know, with this crazy person in office, maybe we realize we need to pull back on some of the overstepping, uh, overextension of presidential power. So to your credit, that's consistent. You said it th that time. And that's I, I understand that position. And I think that's a valid position to take. All right, so what you're hearing is you're hearing Jeff Kanata saying to Brian Brushwood that his position's valid. You're hearing him say, yeah, well, you know, as, uh, that's that's a totally fine thing to tell you. President's power is too much expanded, and this is the blah, 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 whatever. He's being very civil. Um, he It's a very, very civil debate. And it, it, that changes very quickly throughout the course of the podcast. And, and with Jeff Kanata, again, he's a very smart guy, so... His brain gets moving, he gets engaged, he gets in a groove, and he just starts going, right? He's a, he's a great, again, this is why he's a good podcaster. He just moves forward, right? The problem is, when you have TDS, uh, your brain is going to go faster than your mouth. You're not going to be able to measure your responses to things, and, and, and things start to get wacky. Now, Jeff Kanata, again, smart guy, pretty, uh, you know, even-handed viewpoints, um, very liberal, but again, not like... 
He's the difference between an atheist and like a militant asshole atheist is Jeff Kanata as a liberal. Like he's not a militant asshole liberal. He's just a liberal, right? So you you, you kind of start to see though where principles stop mattering uh, when it comes to Donald Trump, and it's well, let's just listen. I have um, looking forward. Uh, what kind of candidate do you think is going to come to run against uh, Trump? Uh, my concern being that I feel like if exactly a Trump, like as correct as everything as you said about uh, about discourse and, and and divisiveness and 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 what a, you know how how tragic it is that that we um, uh, aren't focused on or, or that we aren't sufficiently horrified, I I have this sense this this impending dread that when the Democrats provide their answer to take down Donald Trump, it's going to be the left version of Donald Trump. And, and that, is what, that is what keeps me up at night. That really scares me. And I, I feel like in my heart, and I hope I'm not uh, overstating your opinion, I feel like even if it was a disgusting, hit-below-the-belt left version of Trump, I, 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 I get the sense that, that you and many other people would hold your nose on the parts that you don't like, uh, decide well at least at least the Democrats will, will at least we're getting out him and and vote for him and I feel like that would be the introduction of a of a new level like I feel like that's the point that the war is lost against civility okay so Brian Brushwood's making the point there that he is afraid that the person that the Democrats being bring to bear against Donald Trump in 2020 is going to be Donald Trump but left right and I think that's a totally legitimate fear. But just listen to the response. You're gonna, you're going to hear the principles breaking down as as they continue to discuss Donald Trump. You're going to hear the TDS kick in and the principles break down. This is red I believe team this versus is, blue team. This is I believe conservatives. This is the, Fuck. Never mind. That's the wrong clip. I don't know why that clip is there. Uh, which I'm one sorry, is it? but that's that's the, the. Yeah. I have the wrong clip in there. Maybe this not. Is I red team versus is, blue team. This is I believe conservatives this is post, versus liberals. Post. Yeah, I fucked that up. Anyway, what he says is, wow, fuck. Sorry, this is my first time using a clip machine and stuff like that, and I, I think I saved one that's the wrong uh, title. Anyway, what he says is he'd be fine with that in the case of Trump. He would be fine with personal attacks, with, with things like that in the case of Donald Trump. He thinks that Donald Trump is just that much of an asshole that personal attacks are warranted because the problem is the person. Right. Uh, that's that's what he's saying. And it's uh, fine. But uh, since I fucked up that clippage, God damn, I, I feel like a moron with that. Um, let's just move on then. Let's move on to uh, another instance of TDS kicking in. And let's go to a little bit later in the podcast when he's talking about um, the left versus the right. And, and one one aspect of Trump derangement syndrome that you'll see happen is that People become very partisan. Um, they they lose all objectivity and they become incredibly partisan. They become very loyal Democrats or Republicans, uh, as I'm going to point out with the with the reverse. Um, they become very very loyal, and it's important to realize too that Brian Brushwood's a centrist. So this isn't um, he might not describe himself that way, but that's that's what he is. Um, so that's that's one of the things that you're going to be hearing through this is you're going to hear uh, there's there's a centrist and somebody on the left who's suffering from TDS somebody who's smart who's suffering from TDS I can't say that enough he's not an idiot but a lot of people are 
and TDS affects them all, right? Affects everybody equally, right? If you have it, you have it. Um, it's just how much you can control it. And so let's listen to... This is I red team this versus is, blue team. This is I believe conservatives this is post, versus liberals. Post-Reagan Republican, Republicans. I want to be very clear that that, uh, that voice that you heard at the very beginning was the host, Justin Robert Young. I'm sorry, I did not make that clear. This is I red team this versus is, blue team. This is I believe conservatives this is versus post, liberals. Post-Reagan Republican, Republicans who said, you know, the worst eight words you can get is, I'm from the government, I'm here to help, right? That perspective that, has, that took over the Republican Party is the perspective that government equals bad. And guess what? We're going to make sure that's true. And I think that you, it's all fine and dandy to say that the fewer people vote, the more the votes matter. But the problem is the fewer people participate, the fewer people pay attention, the fewer people get involved, then the fewer people have the power. And the easier it is for those people to keep those levers of power in play and do whatever the fuck they want to the populace. And that is what we're seeing happen is that people not paying attention, people not uh, participating allows their interests to get subverted. Now he's a rather typical uh, left guy. He, he thinks that he, that the Democrats have everybody's interests at heart. Uh, he, discounts the notion or at least seems to in this particular discussion discount the notion that um that the people who voted for trump uh knew what they were doing that they believed that trump had their interests or that they saw that trump had their interests at heart uh guys one of the things that is the most revealing about this is the new dave Chappelle special on netflix he talks about how he knew who was going to win when he rolled it to the polls and he saw the poor whites um, now I don't think Jeff Kanata is a guy who thinks about poor white people. Um, I just don't think he is. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think he, I think he either ignores it or d thinks it doesn't exist or is too wrapped up in other politics to consider that. But that's the people that Trump promised to help. And those are the people that voted for him, poor white people. Um, that's, those were the deciding factors. Everyone else voted on the lines that were expected. Poor white people showed up to the polls and voted for Trump. And that was the difference, right? That was the difference maker. Um, and if you look at the statistics, it bears that out. So we're going to listen a little bit more to the kind of partisanship that we see appear um, that, that begins to ignore reality, right? And, and we're just going to listen to a little bit, uh, and the real big clip is following this one. I'm sorry, but that's, that's the, the, you can say they're both equally bad and, and yada, 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 but uh, yeah, one, uh, one is in the pocket of, uh, you know, billionaires that, that want to fucking make oil or drill oil, and the other is in the pocket of a union of teachers and I'm sorry. Um, the reason I cut that there is because you're going to hear TDS kick in fully at the beginning of the next clip. You are going to hear it. It is ridiculous. It goes beyond being uh, maybe flustered in a debate or something like that, which uh, you notice he was having a hard time putting together words there. Billionaires who want to make oil. Um, that, that's, that's, that could just be getting flustered in a debate, right? That's, that's something that happens, but this next clip, you're going to hear it really kick in. And again, Jeff Kanata's a smart guy. He fights it off sometimes, 
but you can see, you can feel the underlying currents of Trump derangement syndrome in this last clip. Let's listen. There's some billionaires in there. There's a couple billionaires, couple billionaires in 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 that in in the mix. But there. those billionaires are are demonstrably doing things that are counterproductive to their own wealth. Like you can't say that they're the same because I'm not. You, again, I, I nobody. I don't think anybody here is making the argument that 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 you, everybody is the when same. When I say they're in the pocket of billionaires, I'm saying the pocket of billionaires who want more money than they already have. The other billionaires on the blue side are doing stuff that actually makes them less rich. Okay, so yeah, they're maybe in the pocket of those billionaires, but those billionaires are doing things that are not in their own monetary self-interest. So. It, it's it's apples and oranges as far as I'm concerned. So uh, that's one thing that you that you hear at the beginning of that is is that TDS kick and full. I want to play the beginning of that again. There. Right? There's a couple billionaires, couple billionaires in in in, in that in, in the mix. But there. those billionaires are are demonstrably doing things that are counterproductive to their own wealth. So you heard there at the beginning. He's but those billionaires. This is this is. That's that's going beyond being flustered in a debate. I've been flustered in a debate. I don't go <laughs> Right it, it's and again, this is a smart guy So he's able to dial it back a lot of people aren't especially when you see people who are demonstrating on the streets They're not able to dial it back. These people just keep ramping up Right and this is TDS that that's what you're seeing is Trump derangement syndrome at work And you heard it throughout the rest when he's ignoring the reality of the situation I don't know how many times people may have tried to explain to him that it doesn't matter which political party you support. Supporting them is good for you if you're a billionaire. Um, it it's, depends sometimes on the industry. But, I mean, the only people that the Obamacare, uh, uh, that the Affordable Health Care Act, the only people that that helped, the ACA, Affordable Care Act, the only people that helped was insurance companies. They lobbied for it. That's the only people that got anything out of that. It didn't help the people. Everybody's premiums are skyrocketing. It didn't help the people. It helped the insurance companies. They put millions into lobbying for that. And you see it too with, uh, well, everybody's talking about the NRA. Everybody's talking about the NRA spending millions on lobbying, right? They, I mean, they do that so that they'll get something out of it. It's the same thing with the pharmaceutical companies. They lobby for both sides. The pharmaceutical companies lobby on both sides of it. They spend three uh, no, not three. Could have been 30. I'm not sure. There's a three in there, but it's in the billions. It's been billions of dollars on advertising. Not like one billion, like billions, plural billions on advertising or uh, not advertising. I'm sorry, on lobbying billions. And so you, 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 you hear people talking about lobbyists as if they're only lobbying on one side. And that's just not the fucking case. Every single one of these politicians is in some billionaire's pocket and making that billionaire money. And if you're being realistic about it, if you're being objective about politics, if you're being objective about lobbying, if you're being objective about campaign finance, then you know that. And Jeff Kanata is a smart enough guy. He should be capable of knowing that. But he can't let himself accept it. He cannot let himself accept it. It's that partisanship... That's part of Trump derangement syndrome that gets people to burrow deeper and deeper into their party. Right? So Jeff Kanata can't think that the left can do wrong as a whole, that the Democratic Party can do wrong as a whole or can be enriching billionaires as a whole. He cannot allow himself to think that. Now, you see these same lines on the right. 
I don't have clips for it because honestly, this was very timely. I decided to do this today. Um, the day this podcast came out, I listened to it and I said, I've got to do a show on that. So I don't have any clips for it, but you see it on the right as well. People who are so, people who are just rabid Trump fans, who, who real, real fucking MAGA conservatives who can't acknowledge the fact that Trump might just be a fucking moron. The, the people who are the reason that 26th dimensional chess is a meme now right? These people also have Trump derangement syndrome. It just has the opposite effect on them. It makes them tunnel deeper and deeper into their MAGA-ness. It makes them tunnel deeper and deeper into their partisanship. It makes them more and more sure that they're on the right side of things, that their guy was the guy, that he still is the guy, and that he will always be the guy. That's what, that's what TDS does to people on the right. And that's what's causing the political dialogue to break down the way it has. Is because people on the left are so fucking angry and so afraid that they cannot form a, a coherent fucking sentence, let alone an objective one. And the people on the right are so incensed at the left and they're so excited that they have convinced themselves that their dude is the guy who's going to drain the swamp when there's been no evidence of that and there never was, right? You have to understand that that, that, is, the, that is what's breaking down the political dialogue. And then you have your never-Trumpers on the right who are suffering from almost the same as the left, except they see Trump as an outgroup from the right. They see, they see the MAGA conservatives as an outgroup from the real right. You know, so it's the, same, it's the same thing as what's happening on the left, except for they dig farther into the right and not so much into the Trumpianism of it. The pendulum is swinging wildly right now. Um... Brian Brushwood was right with his concern that, that, that civility, I think what's underlying in his concern is that civility is under attack and that centrists especially, but, but also people who are objective about things, people who exist outside of the political mainstream like myself are fighting for civility and we're probably going to lose. I think we're probably going to lose. Because I don't think Brian Brushwood is wrong when he says that the people, the person who is going to be brought to bear against Trump by the Democrats is going to be just a left version of Trump. Just as bad, just as bigoted, just as angry, just as hateful, and just as dumb, but on the left. And I think Brian Brushwood's right when he says that the people on the left are going to hold their nose and vote for him anyway. I, I, don't, I don't really see this going any other way. Um, the only other way it could go is if the, is if the Democrats bring a nice center left person with a, a good voting record and, and just a stand up person who can stand up to Trump. Cause when Trump starts trying to bear down on him, like he does, they'll be able to say, no, 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 back the fuck off, dude. You need that kind of guy on the left, but I don't know that they have one. They especially don't have one that the DNC is going to support. We saw it with the with the leaks with the uh, the the leaks to WikiLeaks, the email leaks from the DNC. They specifically burned Bernie so that they could get Hillary in as the candidate. 
They did that on purpose, right? So the politics of the DNC, I don't think, are such that they're going to be able to support somebody who has that clean record, who is unassailable in the way that the person who's going to beat Donald Trump has to be. And so I think they're going to have to lean farther left, just like the Republicans went way far right. And I think they're going to have to go mean. And I think Brian's right when that's going to be the end of civility. Because you're going to see Trump derangement syndrome flip. And it's going to be on the right this time. And you're going to see all the leftists, all the people on the left, be way into their guy. And everybody on the right is not going, is not going to be able to see a tweet from that person without wanting to throw up. Right? I don't see any other way this ends. So, on that very happy note, uh, I'm going to go ahead and end the show here. Uh, that's all I really had prepared for today. Remember, you can contact me, uh, I, I was going to say anytime. I'll get back to you. If you contact me on Twitter at DinoFiles, you find me there uh, at DinoFiles on Twitter. You can find me uh, on, well, I was going to say on Facebook, but I tried to make a Facebook account twice in the last two weeks, and they got deactivated both times. So, no Facebook page for the show, ever. Um, you can find this show and uh, past episodes of this show, other shows at uh, air, A-I-R-A-D dot I-O, and listen live to those shows as well. Um, we're still doing Annie Files uh, with Ryan and Jake and Chris and myself. That's a, a really fun show uh, if you like anime and people who like to bitch about bad television. Um, and also the Rogue Review, uh, not the Rogue Review, I'm sorry, the Rogue File has begun. This is the, uh, this is the blog that runs sort of parallel to the show. You can find that at roguefile.com. Uh, you can also find it through airad.io, and I have a new donations page. New methods are there. Patreon's still there, of course. But I have added, uh, BAT and Brave Payments. Basic attention token. I've added Ethereum and I've added Litecoin. And I've also added a merch store. So if you like to get something for your money, uh, there's a merch store available there. But if you get any value from this show, if you've gotten any value from this episode, uh, kick me a little bit of coin, a little bit of scratch. That would be wonderful. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, you guys, yeah, you stay strong out there. I know it's hard. And uh, I know all the people who you once thought were incredibly intelligent are starting to lose it a little bit. That's the way I feel about Jeff Kanata. But, you know, it's uh, it'll get better. I think it'll get better. Uh, you know, read Rothbard. It'll make you feel better about things. <laughs> you guys have an excellent, excellent uh, week. This show is part of the Alternative Internet Radio Podcast Network. For more great shows like this, visit AIR at AIRAD.io.